Welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast, presented by the News Press and Naples Daily News. We'll get you ready for the top high school football games in Lee and Collier counties each week with our analysis and predictions. Here are your hosts, the News Press's Adam Regan and the Naples Daily News' Adam Fisher. Hello, everybody, and welcome the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. I'm News Press Sports Reporter Adam Regan, and I'm joined again by Naples Daily News Reporter Adam Fisher. Fisher, week two, are you ready for it? I'm very ready. Week one was lots of fun, and this is actually our third week. If you count the preseason, I feel like we're getting into a, a nice little rhythm with, with what we do throughout the week and then on Friday nights. So yeah, I'm excited. A lot, lot of fun games last week and some really cool games coming up this week. Well, before we get into this week, let's Look at some takeaways from last week. A lot of shocking stuff. What were you most shocked by? Well, first of all, yeah, just overall, so many of these scores stunned me. I was at Baron Collier, where Bishop Rowe won, and that was a surprise. But I got up to the booth at halftime. You know, I'm on the sideline the first half, and I started looking around and see what's going on. I, I was surprised. What hit me the most was First Baptist with a fairly easy win over ECS. ECS, the new super team. First Baptist, the team that's full of, uh, what, 17 freshmen, over, over half their roster is freshmen. They got three seniors. And First Baptist wins 27-12. to 12. Man, that, that stunned me right there. And I found myself sticking my foot in my mouth after last week uh, railing on Joe Pinkos from FloridaHighSchoolFootball.com for making First Baptist a double-digit favorite. Right. And... The computers were right. Apparently. Uh, they might not have accounted for all the transfers ECS got, but the computers were right. I don't know what to say. I Maybe ECS needs a couple weeks to gel together? Well, I think so, especially at the high school level. And I was thinking about it. When you look around, the teams that are always successful, the most consistent winners are those teams that have consistency in the coaching staff and the programs. Billy Sparasio is the second longest tenured head coach in Collier County behind Bill Kramer. I mean, he's been to the playoffs more than he hasn't. ECS, new coach. Bunch of new pieces. I know they did have a preseason game, but this is just their second time together. So it's going to take time. And, you know, RJ, their quarterback, RJ Rosales, didn't join them until, you know, right as the season started. So a lot of guys still gelling together under a new coach. So I got to imagine still working some kinks out with the coaching staff as well. So I think they'll be better than this, but it just goes to show you what, what Billy Sparacio does over there and keeping that team rolling, that program rolling. And speaking of Joe Pinkos, uh, ECS is a double-digit underdog once again against LaBelle this week. There you go. Oh. And to, it is it is to be noted that ECS's field is not ready. The right. turf is not completely down, so they will be playing at LaBelle this week, and they'll only have three home games this year. Do so they know for sure when the first home game is going to be? Well, they're on the road for the next couple of weeks. But they were already scheduled to be on the road? Yes. Gotcha. But they've, they've lost two home games. They'll only have three. And that's a big deal for a school like ECS, who has all this hype surrounding them. Those home games are going to be packed out. Yeah. And I talked to Scott Guttery, the AD there, and he told me that they could lose up to $8,000. Like, they have might have already lost sixteen grand on those wow. two games. So And they just paid, you know, six figures for some new turf. But they're so. paying even more for it now. Yeah. Another surprise this week that I wanted to talk about because I don't think it's that much of a surprise. You brought it up earlier with Bishop Verro and Baron Collier. Bishop Verro is a very good team. Defensively, they're very strong. Yeah, I get it. They're a 3A team, and Baron Collier is a 6A team. You know, So naturally, you think Baron Collier would have slaughtered them, especially this Baron Collier team that has such a good offense and a good nucleus of guys that have been there for a while. But I... I think this is going to be a special season for Bishop Verro in the region this year. They don't have Coco to deal with. Yeah, they have some other teams to deal with. But I think that they can make a run. 
to a regional final and maybe get over the hump this year. So I don't think it was that much of a disappointment. Well, Bishop uh, for, Grove, a, for Baron Collier, I don't think they should be disappointed with how they played in that game. Uh, I think they should. Baron Collier did not play very well. Um, I don't think they should be disappointed losing to Bishop Vero for all the reasons you just gave. Vero's a good team, and I wanted to run by you. Threw me off. They had this whole two-quarterback system going on that I didn't even know about. Nick Perez, the senior, he came in at the end of the first drive. Um, it kind of did like a wildcat Tim Tebow kind of thing. He was taking snaps, and he ended up running the first touchdown in. But then he started throwing the ball again in the second quarter. I thought something was wrong with the ZZ, so I walk over to the Bishop Vero sideline. Azizi's there in full gear, helmet on. Sure enough, he comes back in later. He, th- he threw a touchdown pass after that. So he told me, Aziz- Jacob Azizi said, they're going to be switching those quarterbacks in and out. So that- that's pretty interesting. Well, yeah, Nick Perez, he's a transfer from Canterbury and pretty good player. I- I'm, I'm not sure why he transferred to Bishop Vero. Uh, there was a coaching change at Canterbury that might have played into that. But, I mean, Jacob Azizi is their go-to guy. He's going to be right. their go-to guy for a couple of years. But if Nick Perez adds another dimension uh, to the team when they're down in the red zone, the goal line, more power to him, that could just make him even more dangerous. Well, and I'll give you credit, Regan. You told me last week the Bishop Rose defense was going to look pretty good, and they did. I think Baron Collier killed themselves a lot. Uh, they had about 15 penalties, four turnovers, three in the fourth quarter when they were trying to mount a comeback. Um, and Coach Jackson even said, you know, we could have used a preseason game. Barron was one of those um, Collier County teams who was set to play in Lee County for the preseason. Of course, those games got canceled because of the officials' work stoppage. So the Cougars did not look great. We'll see if they can bounce back this week. They're at home again against Boyd Anderson. Last thing I want to talk about in this segment is there's a couple of Lee teams that weren't expected to do very well with this week. You had Estero, who yeah. they only won two games last year. They come and they score 31 points against Northport. Not bad at all. Tanner Elliott, uh, this is his senior year. So... Interesting to see what happens with Estero. Then you have Ida Baker, who Ida won Baker. one game. And East Lee won. They didn't they, win any games last yeah. year. South Fort Myers won their first game after going 1-9 and nine last year. So, as I said, a lot of big surprises. And I know East Lee was playing Bonita Springs, even though Bonita Springs is a first-year program technically. Varsity, you and I both, uh, I believe, picked them to win just because we know that they're pretty experienced for a, a first-year team with a Rich Dombrowski there as coach. I don't want to say that Bonita Springs is your run-of-the-mill first-year program because of the coach they have and his pedigree and he's had all these years to work with them yeah depth wise you know they're only working with juniors this year right. but still I thought that they were going to win that game against Eastley and Eastley uh, definitely Tylen Carey rushed for over 200 yards and five touchdowns who knows what we have what we'll see from Eastley this year Eastley has athletes and they always have and if they can put it together I think they'll look pretty good so that'll do it for the first week talk Next segment, we're going to move into week two and break down some of the biggest matchups. So come on back on this side of the break. Keep up with the action every week by following our live Friday night scoreboard at NaplesNews.com, News-Press.com, and by downloading the Naples Daily News and the News Press apps onto your mobile devices. Hello, everybody. Welcome back in. It's segment two, and we're going to break down week two. We've got some big games going on. We, we picked a couple of the biggest ones. I think the biggest matchups this week are in Lee County. We've got three really big uh, rivalry games. We've got some good games in Collier as well we'll get to. But first off, what, what hits me the hardest? you got Riverdale at North Fort Myers. Two teams made the playoffs last year, two teams that won in week one, two teams that maybe don't like each other very much. What do you see in this matchup? I have to go off what I saw in the Riverdale-Dunbar matchup last week. Riverdale's defense 
is again very very good uh, darian robinson might be the best defensive player in lee county uh, he's all over the all over the field has a great nose for the ball they held dunbar to two points but then you have north fort myers they're coming off a game against a you know a depleted cape coral team but they rush for 520 right. yards uh, parker odell their quarterback who transferred from Cape Coral. I mean, it was expected to, you know, big be a big game for him. He rushed for over a hundred yards, but he only threw five passes, completed one. Yeah. Guess what? Because he didn't need to. They it, ran for five hundred and twenty yards. Those one hundred and forty-one yards from Odell. Those were on eight carries. So he he was breaking loose back there. And it was funny during that game, the uh, PA announcer at Cape High wouldn't refer to him by his name they just called him number 11 well that's right because that's where he was at last year right <laughs> i forgot about that it was a fun game i, I think this riverdale fort north fort myers game is going to be probably the game of the week in terms of excitement i don't know i, I don't know who i'm going to pick we'll find out in the next segment yeah it's i, I agree it's going to be a, a slugfest i believe two teams that will hit hard another fun one fort myers at charlotte we've talked a lot at least in the newspaper, about this being Fort Myers' 100th season. They're going up against another team, one of the initial three high school football programs down here in southwest Florida. you got Charlotte, Fort Myers, Naples. I think Charlotte's probably about as old as Fort Myers almost. These teams have played each other maybe, what, 60, 70 times, you think? I mean, it's, it's a big deal, especially for these fan bases and the alumni groups. Yeah, Binky Waldrip had a pretty special relationship with Sam Sirianni Sr. and now Sam Sirianni Jr., they always love going up against each other, and the fish tank is a very, very tough place to play. I will say this about Fort Myers. In my experience covering them the last couple of years, they've been kind of slow starters, and I don't think it was any different last week against Sebring where they, they ran the spread offense early in the game with Carter Lane as the quarterback, and it really wasn't going too well. So Sam Sirianni, I heard him pacing across the field uh, saying, you know, we're going to go back to the wing. Yeah. And, and after halftime, they did. They committed to it. And I think Fort Myers is a different team when they run that wing tee. I, I think those guys up front love just hitting guys in front of them and creating holes and not worrying about you know, pass blocking and stuff like that. So I think Fort Myers, uh, they're going to come out, and I think they're going to be a wing tee team primarily in this game against Charlotte. So the most important question I have is, um, did you say Charlotte's Field was called the Fish Tank? Uh, yeah, it's a nickname. Uh, I don't like that nickname. That, that's why not? I don't. I don't want to rip on high schools and their athletes, but it sounds kind of silly. Fish Tank. I, I don't know. A tank's a small thing. I. I would think that would be a basketball arena. I, I don't like it. You think a fish tank is a small thing? How have you ever, have you ever been you to see? an aquarium? Yeah, it's that's called a, a big. So call uh, it the aquarium. Yeah, don't call it the an fish aquarium tank. is full of fish tanks. But you don't. Go, you don't call it a fish tank. You don't go say, hey, I'm going to the uh, the uh, SeaWorld fish tank. I'm going to the aquarium. I like the aquarium. I think aquarium would be an awesome name. The aquarium. I like that. But we'll move on because I obviously am right. Dunbar at Lehigh. Talk about teams that uh, dripping in athleticism but a little disappointing in week one, although both played very good opponents. Lehigh went on the road to a uh, ranked Booker T. Washington team and lost to what, something to seven? What was it? Do you remember? 44 to 40, seven? 47. Dunbar couldn't get that offense going, lost 14 to two to Riverdale. Which one of these guys uh, gets going here in week two? Well, this is always an interesting game because they play it on a Thursday, and they play it on Thursday for a reason. They want all of Lee County to come and watch. There's going to be plenty of coaches there from other teams, there will be players all over the place. These kids, I mean, they've grown they've grown up in the same neighborhoods with each other, and they love playing against each other. And last year, 
it was probably one of the most exciting games of the right. season. Lehigh won in overtime. They kind of got the monkey off their back. They had lost the last couple of years to Dunbar. And like you said, both teams are stacked with talent. You've got uh, Jadarius Green-McKnight, Brandon Benjamin on the Dunbar side. Uh, and then you've got Dequavion Fuller, FSU commit. And then you've got the two cornerbacks in Tavares Dawson and Omarion Cooper. And then you've got a freshman running back, mm, linebacker, yeah. Richard Young. He was the bright spot against Booker T. Washington last week. He returned a 90-yard kick for a touchdown in the second quarter. And you know this is a kid who's playing in his first varsity game against one of the best teams in the state, and he showed out. Another kid that really did well against Booker T. Washington and gave them fits was Tavares Dawson. Uh, he, you could see him a little bit playing in the Wildcat you know, everybody thinks of him as a defensive back, but uh, he, he was back there taking snaps with Richard Young. I mean, the amount of speed and power that was back there in the Wildcat could give Dunbar some problems. Yeah, if you guys don't know who Richard Young is, I advise you to go to a news-press.com slash sports here on uh, Thursday or Friday for uh, Regan's story about him. This kid, I saw him this summer. He was at the Deion Sanders thing, and I didn't even see him. I just saw a picture of him. I said, who was that? They said, that kid's a freshman. Dude looks like he's 18 years old. Like he, he's a beast, and he, like you said, uh, one of his first touches this year, not 90-yard kickoff return. So he, he's a monster. Oh. He's going to be great for four years. Oh, funny story about Richard Young. They were running the 40-yard dash at Deion Sanders Prime underclassman camp, and Richard ran his first 40-yard dash, and Dion wasn't there. Hmm. Dion was off, you know, talking to people and stuff like that. Dion had to run over, and they had to do it again. To, for Dion to see it, and the kid ran a four six forty. Wow, as a as freshman, a, as, as a fourteen year old or whatever, yes. yeah, four six forty. The kid's gonna be special, and he's got a great work ethic too. And like Fisher said, go to newsdashpress.com later in the week, and we'll have a feature on Richard. Let's move down to Collier County. Let's do it. Gulf Coast at Laley. So that's the game I'll be at. Two teams with the high hopes this year, at least. Uh, Hopes of improving upon years past. Teams that won in week one. It's going to be interesting. Again, Mr. Regan was right. Golf Coast comes out with a, a freshman quarterback last year in Connor Barrett. And uh, he didn't have the best game, but, you know, even Coach uh, Tom Scalise said he would made mistakes of, of effort. You know what I mean? He's a freshman out there trying to make a play, and he'd rather have that. So Connor Barrett threw four interceptions, but he did lead uh, the Sharks to victory. Laley has a new quarterback this year after moving uh, Jonas Dudon to receiver, and, and, and they won in week one. I think it's an evenly matched game. I think it's going to be good. And the thing to know about Connor Barrett is, I mean, this isn't his first varsity experience. Right. He played last year at Canterbury and played very well. He threw four picks, but, I mean, they got the W, right? I mean, that's really all that matters. That's all that matters, and he is going to play this week. Uh, Justin Matia, uh, the starting quarterback for Gulf Coast, is out again this week, Coach uh, Scalise tells me. Um, Laley, they had that big win. They went 2-8 and eight the past two years, and then they won their first game at Island Coast, and now they're going to be at home, so it's going to be a big crowd. We talk about Laley, you know, one of the historic programs in Collier County. And I think that's an underrated win for Laley. Uh, they forced five turnovers yeah. on Island Coast. I mean, and they, I mean, they squeaked by against Island Coast, to be, to be fair, but those five turnovers were huge, and I think that this is an Island Coast team by the end of the season that you're going to say – Wow, that was a pretty good win by Laley. So I'm looking forward to, you know, seeing what Laley can do in Collier County, which might be a little bit down this year. Yeah, I, I think so, man. It, it's going to be tough. One of the teams, though, I do think is going to be better than we expected, at least I thought, is Naples. We, we know Naples is always going to be good. But uh, I told you off the record, like, or, or off before the podcast, that uh, with that big win, they won at Sarasota Riverview. 
which is an 8A team that won a regional championship last year, won on a uh, late field goal by Nick Herber, kicker extraordinaire for the Golden Eagles. And so now they have two home games against Miami teams, and they play all the Collier teams they always beat. So Naples got a chance to go undefeated. That would be exceeding my expectations. And my question for you, Fisher, is where does Naples get these special teams guys? Every every year I've covered them, they've had a pretty solid kicking game. Where are they finding these kids? Well, go back to what we said at the very first segment about just coaching consistency. They've had the same kicking coach for at least the 12 years I've been covering them, and Tony Perez Benatoa. So they've always had a good kicker. A lot of times they're reaching into – Soccer players, you'll see a lot of kids that played soccer, and they'll train them up. I don't know if Nick uh, is a soccer player. I think he's just a kicker, and he, he's been kicking for them. This is at least their sec- his second year. might be his third year, and that's why, too, they get kids early. It's not uncommon to see a four-year kicker at Naples High. Nick hit a couple 50-yard field goals last year, so he's one of the, the good ones they've had. And I'm speaking from Lee County experience. The kicking game is just, you know— it's tough, you know. I mean, special teams wins games, and I feel like in terms of place kickers, you know, a lot of teams in Lee County don't have that quality of a place kicker. So, I mean, I think a lot can be learned what Naples High is doing with their special teams and how good they've been. And last week was definitely a good example. Right, of that. and and the most underrated thing about Naples High kickers, and Coach Bill Kramer will tell you this: it's not the field goals, it's not the automatic extra points. It's the touchbacks on kickoffs. If you know guaranteed a team's going to start at the 20-yard line, they have to go 80 yards every drive, and you're not going to have the chance of a run back and then breaking loose for a touchdown. I mean, that's a big deal at Naples. They keep track of percentage of touchbacks, and they always seem to have a guy with a big leg that can do that. Well, that's going to do it for this segment. When we come back, I sat down with Lehigh coach James Chaney, who they were coming off a loss to Booker T. Washington, and they'll play Dunbar this week. So join us on the other side. After the games each week, go to naplesnews.com, news-press.com, or our apps on your mobile device for photos, videos, and analysis from games throughout Southwest Florida. Hey everybody, this is Adam Regan with the News Press of the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast, and I'm here this week with Lehigh coach James Chaney. They're coming off a trip to Miami Booker T. Washington, where I think they learned a lot about their team. James, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. Well, let's get right into it. we got to start with last week, mm-hmm. playing powerhouse Miami Booker T. Washington, five-time state champion. What did you guys learn about yourselves playing that game? We definitely needed a preseason game going into that game, but it was kind of like our preseason game. We got to see some some things that we could work on that you don't see. You it's impossible to see without playing. We had some bright spots. You know, we had some uh, some costly turnovers in the first quarter that was probably created. You know, that 19 point swing they had was all from the, the first quarter. So. You know, we, we, we kind of look at that. If we could have avoided those mistakes and, and, and been a little more precise, um, I think it would have been a better game. But, you know, all in all, that's a great team, great program, man. We take nothing away from them. And, James, I feel like I ask you this every year when I see your schedule come out. Uh, you're, you always face out great out-of-area teams. This year, now that you're in a new district with only four teams, you had a little more – freedom to schedule those tougher teams and I feel like you took the schedule up three or four notches scheduling Naples, Charlotte, Clearwater International, Booker T. Washington. Is Columbus on the schedule too? Or or no, they're not not on schedule. But I mean you've really 
branched out and decided that we're going to play some of the best teams in the state. What goes into that thinking? I'll never be the coach that will probably be remembered for how many wins I have. Um, we're, our goal is to win the district. Our goal is to win the district, make it deep in the playoffs. That's our goal. And our other goal is to always line our guys up against great competition. You know, we, we, we got guys who are ranked and they got the little so-called stars and stuff like that. We got guys who complain about, hey, we're not getting looks here in Southwest Florida. We try to take them where they'll get looks. You know, if, if, if you know, guys shine against Booker T, somebody noticed that. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and what we want to do is we want to, during the summer, we want to play the toughest seven-on-seven schedule. We want to play tough games during the regular season. We think it will get us ready for our district games. And we just want to set ourselves apart as being uh, competitors and, and, you know, guys who are willing to play the tough game. And, James, since you got here, this is your fifth year, right? You've had tons of guys who are getting those looks, as you say. You've had a ton of D1 players, and it's really not any different this year. How do you balance those D1 guys with those so-called stars, you say, and the guys that are up-and-coming talents who may not have those offers and get them to gel together as a team? Our main goal is player development. We want to be able to get an eighth grader coming in, and we want to get that guy through the program. We want to make him bigger. We want to make him faster and stronger. We want to you know, solidify him academically. We want homegrown guys. That takes time. That takes a while. Being where we are, we're going to always get you know, those two or three special athletes. But at the end of the day, man, you win games with the you know, 5'10", 205-pound offensive guard sometimes. And that's what we're trying to get to. We're trying to raise – we're only as good as the least amount of athletic kids on the team. If we can bring them up, then we can be great. You know what I'm saying? You can't depend on superior athletes because you won't get them all. You know, some of these athletes are like, like a Deion Sanders. That would be the only guy, Coach Hoover, ever coached like that. So you only get one, one of them a lifetime. So you have to bring a guy who wants to come out and play undersized and he'll give you all he has. That's how, to me, that's how you build a winning program. It's funny you bring up Deion Sanders and the, him being a once-in-a-lifetime talent. Do you feel like you've coached that once-in-a-lifetime talent already? No, the jury's still out. I played with Deion, so I mm-hmm. saw what he was in high school and in college. So I really can't crown anybody. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen that guy yet. Um, I have some guys who have the potential to be that, but um, that's a tough uh, 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 call, you know, this early. Well, it's, it's funny because you coached Chris Curry. Chris was a, a great football player. I mean, he's doing well at LSU. I got, you know, Quayshon Fuller. You know, I got some guys who, 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 who are doing well in college. You got Jartavius Martin. And those guys' defense, man, Dion was just born with probably more natural ability than, than any three of those guys. Not saying that they're not great, but Dion was just like my, my brother-in-law coached Vince Young um, in basketball. And I told him, I said, dude, you, Vince Young will be the last dude you ever coached like that. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's a little different, you know, difference to it. And that leads me into my next question. Uh, a guy that entered your program with a lot of hype coming from Pop Warner, track star Richard Young, had quite a game against one of the best teams in the state. Tell me what you saw. I saw a young man with a, with a, with a mindset, a, a, a champion's mindset. Um, the kid truly went out there and played football. I mean, it wasn't, 
He wasn't tight. He wasn't uptight. He wasn't, you know, trying to force things. He went out there and just played the game. He kind of got the attention of that whole Miami area, you know, with what he did. And, um, you know, we're proud of him. And he's a humble kid. He's a quiet kid, you know. He, he asked me after the game, he said, Coach, did I do okay? And I was, you know, I was like, are you serious? But he did. He had a good game. He fought hard. And I think a guy like that raises the level of his teammates up. And that's the key. You know, Michael Jordan, all the great ones, they made the guys around them better. And uh, to me, that's, that's what sets some players apart. We got to get into this week. Uh, Dunbar's. Everybody has this game on their circled on their calendars. Me, me included. Every single year, it's a great game. Went to overtime last year. You guys kind of got the monkey off your back. What do you guys need to do to be successful against a team where they have athletes all over the field? You so, probably saw a team like that last week, but how do you approach that? I talked to my team today about it, and you know, I told them I said a rivalry game makes maybe a team that isn't even with you. It makes them even because it's a rivalry. It's going to be a big crowd. Everybody's talking about it. So, you know, at the end of the day, you really have to pay attention to the really small things. Uh, you have to watch the film and find the clues and find the hidden secrets. Um, and you have to win the battle up front. At the end of the day, when you guys talk about it in the paper, those are things you're going to talk about. Hey, they won the battle up front. Hey, it looks like they watched film. They knew what, you know, the team was going to do. I mean, it's just football will never change when it comes to that. You know, somebody is going to study a little harder. Somebody's going to work a little harder. Somebody's going to be better up front. Somebody's going to not make a whole lot of mistakes, and they're going to win the football game. That's the key to playing in a rivalry game. I played in the, you know, Florida State Miamis, the Florida State Floridas, and that's what it always came down to is just, a, you know, that game of inches. And uh, that's what we try to, uh, you know, instill in our kids here. Well, James, I appreciate you joining me on the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. I wish you good luck on Thursday. Thank you. Appreciate it, man. And once again, we appreciate Lehigh coach James Chaney joining us on the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. When we come back, Fisher and I are going to do some picks, and hopefully we'll do a lot better than we did last week. For the most in-depth analysis of high school football in Lee and Collier County each week, go to naplesnews.com and news-press.com. Follow us on Instagram at News Press Sports and NDN Prep Zone. On Twitter, NPHS Sports and NDN underscore Prep Zone. Or download our apps. Welcome back into the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. And it is everyone's favorite segment our picks, our predictions. Week one did not go so well. Adam Regan went five and five, which is not great. But Adam Fisher went even worse. I did four and six. Like I said, a lot of surprises last week, and that's kind of what throw it threw us off. So let's see if we can get it a little better this week. Starting with the game that we think is going to be the best one: Riverdale at North Fort Myers. We broke it down earlier. Regan, who you got? I'm gonna go with North Fort Myers at home. Here, I, Riverdale beat them last year and handled them pretty good. But I think North Fort Myers, they, they got something cooking with that offense this year. I think we've only seen the tip of the iceberg in terms of the potential of Parker O'Dell. And another guy that's been playing really well for North Fort Myers is Brett Reed, the running back. And he's also the place kicker, too. Probably one, oh, of, the wow. be- probably one of the better place kickers in Lee County as well. 
if they can rush for anywhere close to what they rushed for right. last week against Cape Coral, you know, I say North Orange wins this one. If you rush for 500 yards, you're probably going to win more times than not. So I also take the Red Knights. Fort Myers at Charlotte, the historic matchup. Who you got? I got Charlotte in this one because it's not at Edison Stadium. Uh, it's at the fish tank where Charlotte <laughs> is also aquarium. very, very good. So give me Binky Waldrop and the Tarpons. You know, I also uh, want to take Charlotte, but I like to be different from you. However, Charlotte won 26 to nothing last week. And like you said, it is up at the aquarium in Charlotte. So, yep, I'm going to take uh, the Tarpons. And I want to make sure that all our Charlotte County listeners know that that's Adam Fisher calling the Yeah, you can get at me on Twitter. The, uh, Let me know what you think about the, the new I am nickname. Adam Regan. You know, we have the same first name, <laughs> but, you know, don't confuse us. Next one, Dunbar at Lehigh. Um, on a Thursday night, what do you think? This is another one where I just I have no idea. Could be a coin flip, yeah. We didn't get to see enough of these teams, I think, in, in week one to really know, you know, just what's going to happen. Yeah, Dunbar did not have a preseason game. I mean, neither, neither did Lehigh, but I guess I'm going to have to go with Lehigh at home. Richard Young is going to make his debut in Lee County and uh, going to announce himself as the next great player. Again, I want to go Lehigh, and I, I wish I could pick first. Since I think it will be basically a coin flip, and it was last year in overtime, a low scoring kind of grinded out, why not? I'll pick Dunbar. I think Dunbar kind of puts it together. They had less than 200 yards of offense last week. I think that changes. Too many weapons. I'm taking the Tigers. Gulf Coast at Laley. Is this the one, the one you're going to be covering? I will be at Laley covering this. I think Laley's on the rise. I think Gulf Coast is not supremely more talented than Laley. I think they do have more bodies, though. You know, they're going to have a little bit more depth. Um, Laley's got some two-way guys. And if you can shut down a couple of those weapons, I think um, you stop them. So I will take Gulf Coast on the road. Just bigger school, bigger team. And I, d- I do have a question for you. Yep. I, I'm obviously, you spoke to Coach Scalise over at Gulf Coast. What, what is there to be said about Justin Matia? He said he's still being evaluated, don't know what the injury is, but they're just kind of waiting. So it's not something where it's set in stone. They're like, you know, if it's a broken arm, they know that he's out six weeks. Or if it's, you know, this or that, they know it's this many weeks. He says they're just kind of waiting. They thought it could have been this week. They think it could be next week. Uh, could be the week after that. So they don't really know right now. But Scalise is very confident in uh, Connor Barrett. Well, I'm going to have Connor Barrett go start his uh, career off 2-0 and at Gulf Coast. 2-0. We got uh, our buddy. I did look it up. We had some questions as to our, our friend uh, Uncle Luke was still coaching Miami Edison. It appears that he is from the uh, great two live crew who he and I became best friends last uh, year after Miami Edison came to Naples and he uh, liked and retweeted one of my tweets. So me and uh, Uncle Luke are going to be hanging out after the game. Uh, unfortunately, they will be at Naples, and I think it's going to be a sad night for uh, the two live crew over there. I'll take Naples. Fun fact, Uncle Luke and I are also best friends. Really? Uh, uh, there was a couple years back where he invited all sports writers to a party in Miami that he was throwing. What? I don't know if he actually threw this party because I, I didn't attend, but he, I tweeted a, a to my former colleague, Corey Mull, that you know we should go to this. Yeah. And Corey Mull, of course, always disappointing, said, who is that? Always the wet blanket. Who is Uncle Luke? And then Uncle Luke tweets us back. I think Corey said, is, you know, I have an Uncle Luke. And <laughs> and uh, Luther Campbell tweeted him back, yep, that's me. So I think <laughs> if we were going uncle. to go to that party, we kind of, you know, 
screwed ourselves a little bit. Listen, Uncle Luke's down with Edrin, and also Edrin and I are best friends as well. So we'd have a nice little, you know, fun night. Me and Edge and Uncle Luke would be a good time. Next game, Mariner at Island Coast. Mariner coming off a loss, a ne- albeit a narrow one, to Ida Baker last week and Island Coast coming off a five-turnover performance against Laley. Who you got? I think Mariner is a little better than they showed last week, even though they lost 17-14. to 14. Our Cade Reynolds had almost 200 yards rushing. I'm going to go with Mariner in this one. All right. Yeah, I wanted to skip that game because, man, that's another coin flip game as far as I'm concerned. Yes. Yeah. So another game that I don't think is as as much of a coin flip is Cape Coral at South Fort Myers. South Fort Myers shut out Cypress Lake last week, but it was Cypress Lake without CJ Shedd, who went down with an injury in pregame warmups. And Richie Rhodes said after the game that it's not broken, but he didn't sound too confident that CJ would be back anytime soon. That's beside the point. I'm going to go with South Fort Myers in this one. I like their defense. I'm going to admit something here. I think Cape Coral might be my biggest blind spot. I don't think I know anything about Cape Coral this year. But I do like to be different, so I'm going to take Cape Coral. Why not? Dale Why Moore, not? Uh, Dale Moore and Cape Coral. Why not? You know I love Dale Moore. Yeah, we all love Dale Moore. Well, next one, Oasis St. St. John Newman. Last year, Oasis started pretty hot, and then they ran into St. John Newman later in the season and just got boat raced. And Oasis is, But Oasis is coming off a – win over traditional state powerhouse Lakeland Christian last week. Yeah, this is, uh, I think, low-key might be one of the best games in the area. It's a Lee Collier matchup. Those are always fun. Oasis went on the road and won at Lakeland Christian, who was ranked, like, number four and in class 3A or 2A last week. Newman, they have showed they, they got tons of weapons again, although they played a community school team last week that's not kind of up, up, up to par just quite yet. So I think it's going to be a good one. I'll take Newman at home. And I'm going to take Oasis on the All road. All right. Uh, Daniel Rennie hit uh, Gerard Newson with 12.6 seconds left last week. They showed that they can win the close game. I think Lakeland Christian is going to be a pretty good team. So I think that they can hang with St. John Newman this year. Give me the Sharks. Awesome. Baron Collier looking to bounce back. They're at home against Fort Lauderdale. Boyd Anderson, at least I think Boyd Anderson is from Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, it didn't look great last week, Baron Collier. Coach Jackson even said, you know, they're fixable things. They were a little out of rhythm because that was our first game they'd played since May. I guess I will take the Cougars at home in a bounce-back performance. What do you know about Boyd Anderson? I know it's in Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> I know they're a 6A team that went 4-6 and six last year. I don't necessarily know what they have coming back this year, but that's that's the extent of my knowledge on Boyd Anderson. Well, and there also used to be a girl I liked in college who went to uh, Boyd Anderson High School. Nice. Yeah. And to be fair, you weren't sure that Boyd Anderson was in Fort Lauderdale until I gave you the nod. So I was fairly sure, but not 100% sure. That being said, I'm going to go with Baron Collier in the bounce back. I think this will be a big win for them that could springboard them into the rest of the season. Last but not least, Estero at Golden Gate. Estero coming off a big win over Northport, and Golden Gate got shut out by Gulf Coast last week. Yeah, Golden Gate's still young, uh, looking to get better. Their defense was actually okay. You know, they forced some turnovers by Gulf Coast. But Estero, they really impressed us. You mentioned their quarterback, Tanner Elliott, had a 70-yard touchdown pass at one point. I will take Estero on this. I think just a little bit more experienced. Man, this is yeah, this is another coin flip game. Yeah, I think that this is another coin flip game here. But in order to space out my lead after week two, I'm going to go with Golden Gate. I think that Nick Bajika gets his first win of his coaching career at at Golden Gate. That'd be nice. That'd be nice. So there you have it, guys. We differ on four games. Dunbar-Lehigh, K. 
Cape Coral South Fort Myers, Oasis at St. John Newman, Estero at Golden Gate. Come back next week to find out how he did. And as always, stay tuned to naplesnews.com slash prepzone and news-press.com slash sports. I'm getting a lot better at saying that. We're going to have updates all week and then Friday nights, of course, all the live coverage. So we will talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Remember, the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast will be available for download 